Hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, and this week I talked to a dear friend of mine who I have known since I was a child in theater camp, Dylan Silver, about the many hats she wears as an actor, writer, director, host, voiceover artist. Dylan is the epitome of a multi hyphenate or multidisciplinary artist. And I think it's incredibly valuable to have someone on here to really share what it means to do all of these things and do them well. Dylan talks about staying humble while also voicing your ambitions, leaning into discomfort, and not letting someone else take your power. We both share stories about taking initiative and not waiting for someone else's permission, and recognizing that it only takes one person to take a chance on you. We also talk about being curious and honest about what you don't know, that everything is helping all the other things, and the importance of going after what you want. So without further ado, enjoy. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Drinking some tea or coffee. I don't know. What is that? Um, I have this people my fiance thinks it's gross like we'll get coffee at the coffee shop and then the next day i'll put it in the fridge and then it's like cold coffee the next day why don't you just buy cold coffee <laughs> this is the leftover <laughs> it's a gross habit why don't you just get more coffee and put it in your fridge i don't end this yeah i mean it's like a gross <laughs> habit it's just like the inconvenience i don't have a car where we are right now eli takes it every day yeah. so we go get bougie coffee and I can only go so often. So I'll buy like two or just one and split it up. Yeah. Whatever. You know what? No judgment here. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> if that's your vibe, you do you. Um, <laughs> so for anybody listening, who are you today, Dylan Silver? Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm a, a good friend of Jen's. I've known her since she was very small. I'm sure, I'm and... sure we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like Jen, I decided that there was no other option except to keep pursuing art. So here I am. Um, And I do lots of things. I act, I direct, I host, I do voiceover, I write. um, And we can talk about all that that stuff. You're the epitome of what I would call a multi-hyphenate. I like to think I am. And then I like look at all your multi-hyphenates and I'm like, I don't I couldn't, I don't know what else I could throw onto mine, but apparently there are more things and you hold those oh, titles. you have a lot. Also, by the way, the intro song to this podcast, yeah. no, like that song, the, um, well, first of all, I was like, why isn't Jen singing in the song? Oh, God forbid. And then, and secondly, the calm voice with which you start the episodes <laughs> is so tranquil. I was like, she's got to add this to her resume, like. Thank being you. on the Calm app or something. I mean, I do. Oh, that would be fun. That would be a fun moment. I do voiceover. It's not a thing I don't do, but it's. Oh, I, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, here we are just, you know, there was like one episode that I, I really, really started like with kind of like it really sounded like sultry, you know, like it was like, what am I, what are you doing? Dude, this is did. not, not like, a this thing. Is, this is yummy it's like, this is a very so, yummy is, okay well here i am here's my voice um yeah i've known you since we were literal children we went to long lake camp for the arts here's a plug praise be and we were babies i mean this was theater summer sleepaway camp up in the adirondacks and i i mean for me if i look back on that time for myself first of all some of my favorite people in the whole entire world have came from that 
still to this day, like some of the people that I know in a pinch of a hat, even if I haven't spoken to them in a while, there is something about that experience that has melded us together that I know I can call in no, like it could be years. And they're like, I love you. I will help you. What do you need? Um, a that, yeah. but also be like formative experiences. Like if I think about myself in development as a human being, as a little tiny human. Totally. Oh my God. That camp, I put it together. I've spent over a year of my life there when I add yeah. up the weeks. And I think um, it was a haven. I mean, we were really privileged, the, the yeah. lot of us that got to go. And I know um, whether it was our parents that paid for it or our grandparents, yeah. you know, um, I don't think they did many scholarships, though they did do some. They did do some. Um, but you worked your ass off. It was oh like a God. camp where you worked really hard. Um, and you felt seen. I've ever feel feeling seen for the yeah. first time yeah. as a sort of an, an outcast, someone who was, was deemed other in some ways in her life. And yeah. um, it was a really special place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's akin to like the stage doors of the French woods of the world, but there was something which I had. I went to French woods for one summer. And my parents were like, this is too much for you. We are. <laughs> I was like, well, aren't those places really competitive too? Like yeah. long, like I just remember, I mean, I just never felt an ounce of competitiveness. I just yeah. was like, I just want to do the thing Correct. and be in the company of people that are. But yeah, I'm, stage door. Oh, I remember as a kid getting the the VHS from stage Correct. door and we watching the video and it was a bunch of kids that they had solicited to basically like do the pitch Correct. for the camp, which was so clever. And I wanted to go so bad and it was too expensive. Yeah. It was like, it was a, it was a fortune. Yeah. I'm so glad that didn't work out, but I remember being really devastated. Yeah. I remember watching it too, <laughs> literally putting the little the VHS into the TV and being like, oh my God, these camps, just all of them. And then I remember Long Lake was just like a lot of panning of the Adirondack mountains. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and like, and like the water. Oh my God. They, some of the most incredible actors, artists, creators that I know came from that place to this day. Um, I'm not going like, to name drop all of them, but like you can go Google <laughs> Long Lake Camp for the Arts and people, notable alumni. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, here we are. We've kept up our friendship through the years, through like international waters, through across the country. <laughs> and I feel like many seasons of our lives. And it's just been so awesome to watch you become the artist that you've become and the creator that you've become. And I am so excited to talk to you about all of the things, I guess. Oh, I have so many ways that I want to take this conversation, but <laughs> I guess tell me a little bit of an overview more specifically about like if you had to do a highlight reel across the different multi-hyphenated hat part of yourself, like yeah. some of the things that you're really pumped about that you've done in your career thus far. I mean, I feel like I'm just on the precipice of it in so many ways. So I feel almost like I t I'm not sure I belong in this conversation yet, but well, I think um, that is that is exactly. I mean, you're not the first a guest and or myself who are like, well, do I? Are, who am I to even be hosting a podcast? You know what I mean? Like all the imposter syndrome around it. Just, but I'm so, well, you just don't want to be like another actor that nobody knows. That you're just like, why am I listening to that? I feel like if I can imbue any sense of, I don't know bits of knowledge I, well first i can yeah so like highlights of the even this last year right. um uh i'm a sundance lab fellow this year with yes, the film that are. i wrote and um i'm a women in film director mentee this year uh i um have a series that i'm starring in in voiceover that just came out it's a youtube original called behind the beats you can watch um my show as a host my latest show is with 
a company called Tastemade, and it's called Weekend Refresh with Tia Mowry, and that just came out, so you can watch that on Tastemade. As an actor specifically, uh, I shot a film this year that will come out next year. Um, I'm on an episode of Walker Independence, a CW show, and that will air like in February, I think. Um, But I will say like all this stuff that I'm sort of listing now, um, I still feel very much like I don't know what I'm doing. And, And in a way, because I some days I feel like I've stretched myself so thin by pursuing all these different avenues when in reality they've really helped um each realm that I spent time in really helped and fostered the other. Like I one thing I always recommend to people is like when I first moved out to LA when I left the theater world and knew I wanted to focus on film, I mean, no door was open. I, I knew nobody. I had no age. I had nothing mm-hmm. and didn't know anyone. And I started crewing on sets. And I'm so thankful that I did that and chose to make money in something that was in the world mm-hmm. because it allowed me to understand how the world works a little bit. Um, and it allowed me to foster relationships. So ultimately, like, one of the production companies I'm working with now, I PA'd for them yes. like eight years ago. So you just don't know. It's that fine line of, you know, being humble and and saying, okay, I'm going to go learn some other avenue of the industry while I'm pursuing something and simultaneously make it known to people, you know, what my ambitions are. So they they see me as a hard worker in the thing that I'm doing, but they also know that why I'm why I'm in the in the game in the first place. Yeah. I think that Um, is such a hard balance to be able to own what you do in a way that is unapologetic but isn't cocky (laughs) and to to voice what you are hoping to accomplish so that people can, if they want to, keep their ears peeled to the ground and be like, oh, right, I remember Dylan was looking to do that. That would actually be a really in- incredible opportunity. Let me reach back out and see how we can make that happen. Yeah. And you know? fostering relationships, remembering to keep tabs and enjoy people, like yeah. getting to hang out with people and seeing how other people are doing. Um, I I also think, you know, my doing all these different things wasn't born out of a desire to do them initially. It was that I originally thought, oh, you train as an actor, you, you just like you work your butt off and you get all the training and then and then it sort of starts to just grow. And that's not how it works at all. So um, when the doors were not opening and they didn't for years instead of feeling like instead of being in resistance to that, I eventually just let go and thought and thought, okay, well, if that's not working, maybe there's another way to get there. But I just what what else am I capable of doing? And I think as actors, we forget that we understand how story works we understand Mm -hmm. story structure um when i was working in the theater in in dc is where i started out like i'd go to the kennedy center all the time and we'd be there helping new playwrights work on their material and and so you you're like oh yeah i know as an actor how to help a writer see Mm -hmm. where they're at in the moment so yeah i'm digressing but no you're not no no you're not digressing at all Instead of being mad about the situation, and, and there were times where I was really depressed or really bitter. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of gratitude because it brought me to a place where I thought, oh, wait, I think maybe I can write. And then you write something and it's pretty crappy, but a couple people, and then you have to be unabashed about sharing it with people and not being embarrassed. And then a few people will be like, I see the glint of possibility here. And then they'll help you out. And 
um, it just sort of built. Even my first directing opportunity, my first film I ever made was a documentary that um, got distribution. It's on Amazon. Anyone can watch it. It's called, it's on most streaming platforms. It's called A Mind Like Stillwater. And when that opportunity presented itself, instead of being like, why this? I don't understand why me. I, I flipped it. I thought, okay, well, let me, le I've just always leaned into whatever opportunity is presenting itself. And that one, I think, inevitably became as good as it was because I wasn't in resistance to it. I just mm -hmm. thought, okay, w why me? Why am I the one to tell this story? And um, let me lean into that mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the the parts that we all have that just want to shit up shit on our parade. You yeah. Know? <laughs> how did, how initially, obviously I imagine it's more of a muscle now that that's just kind of how you are operating. But initially with that, rejection feeling the like it's not happening the way you want it to happen the time lapsing how did you decide to just like lean in was there a moment that was you know this like light bulb moment that was like oh if I just <laughs> go for this yeah. or say yeah like was there that or was it just something that because you were so tired and it wasn't happening there was really no other option other than to just yeah um I think light bulb moments we all maybe we have them, but inevitably like change is gradual. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like we're too hard on ourselves when we think we just like, I woke up and then everything was different. I, it hasn't been that way for me, but there was a moment. Um, my, most of my family lives in England now, my mother and my sister. And when things were really bad with work in LA and it really wasn't working out initially, I was also really in resistance to the fact that I was so far away from my family. I was like trying so hard to get over there, seeing if I could get an EU passport before Brexit. This was before Brexit. Dating British men. I mean, just doing whatever I could. And at the same time, like I wasn't just accepting the reality, which was that my family lives far away. I'm in California. What do I want to do with that? And I went on one particular trip home and my sister had a really frank conversation with me and she's like, you're really bitter. Mm. You sound really angry and bitter. And, and I think it was a reckoning I was having as someone who had thought the linear, we're sort of taught that, right? We're sort mm. of taught you go to the best school you can, you study really hard, then you work really hard. But even, I got my first job before I even finished university, my first equity theater job. And it was so dis disenchanting because mm -hmm. there's this thing you want to do so badly and the people you respect and you're working with for the first time, like they can't even put their kids through college. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's just like the whole thing is slightly earth shattering in the sense where you realize, how am I going to make a living? I don't understand how this is going to work. And, and I'm lucky because I didn't have debt coming out of college, mm -hmm. you know between scholarships and my, um, my, my grandfather and my family support, you know, I, I was able to come up at, at a zero balance. And, mm -hmm. and um, so I think maybe that was around 27, okay. 20, 26. And my sister was like, you're just, you sound angry. Mm -hmm. And she was right. I was really, and I, and I came home and went back to, I'd been going to therapy for a little while. And I, um, kept going and I said I don't I just don't want to be angry anymore mm -hmm. and 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 then I just started to accept what is okay I'm in California 
okay, my dream is to be a performer. Okay, I cannot legally work in England. My family's in England. Great. Okay, now what? And, mm-hmm. and suddenly things started to feel gentler and more playful and easier. And even with my friends and ultimately my partner, you know, they all came in when I just started to enjoy what was right in front of me. Yeah. Um, and on days where I even couldn't enjoy it to just be okay with it. Yeah. So it was both an epiphany and simultaneously a slog. <laughs> yeah. No, but thank you for being so vulnerable and honest about it because I think that most, I'd argue most, if not all, <laughs> creatives in any capacity, and we're just like humans, we go through that moment of like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing yeah. this? I've put in so much time, energy, effort, money, resources, all of the things into this thing that I love, that I believed was going to happen a certain way, that I had these expectations of how it was going to happen. And it's just not. And then what do you do? How do you pick yourself up? How do you refocus? How do you recalibrate? And instead of being, you know, we can be our own worst critics in that way. And it, it's so wonderful to hear that you finally were able to just be like, this is. And how yeah. do I lean in? I mean, there are still really hard days, oh, but yeah. I also know that they now I'm more playful about it when something happens. I'm like, oh, one day I'll write about that. You know, I feel <laughs> yeah. like, oh good, more more em- empathy I can have towards a different kind of scenario, just as a human being and as an actor yeah. and um yeah, I, f- I just feel like life's really short and uh, whatever is the more playful outlook, I'd almost like to psych myself out if I can, because it's just better to live in that place yeah. than a place of pain. To live yeah. in that painful spot is just doesn't breed creativity, and uh, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you then pivot into all these multi-hats? I'm curious <laughs> about um, the writing aspect of it and the hosting aspect of it. I mean, I'm actually curious about all of it, but feel free to start (laughs) wherever you want to start and we can kind of go from there. I mean, the writing, actually, and this is something I'll tell anybody, my, the one piece of advice I always, I would say is don't listen to the rules, Mm -hmm. both as an actor and as a, as the industry as a whole, as a performer, I always thought it was really interesting when I could tell when someone had just gone out of grad school or like had just left a program because they're like, these are my tools and I'm going to, I just feel like it's really important to go to all the classes, read all the books, internalize all of it, and then really let it go and yeah. like take the bits that work for you in any, but also in the industry as a whole, like, so I wrote a web series cause that was in for a little while and it became a Sundance lab finalist. And then How? I made a pitch video for it. How did that I just happen? submitted. Okay. I was just, I saw the opportunity and I was like, oh, it's web series are short and let me binge all the ones I can. Let me learn. And then, and, and, um, I don't know if it's Elizabeth Gilbert or probably they say, write what you know, Mm -hmm. especially, and I, and I'm nowhere near able to, to write what I don't know. I won't be for a long time. So I just wrote something in the world of what I knew. And I was still lying to myself. Even then I put it in like Texas. I don't, I don't know anything about Texas, <sighs> you know, like, but partially I was vulnerable and honest and wrote this funny and, and kind of learned that my writer's voice is a little sardonic and, mm-hmm. but playful and vulnerable. And, um, and it became a finalist 
And, and then I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta use this. I gotta use what? I don't know. I just decided <laughs> I gotta do something with it. And I, um, every day I went to IMDb. Okay. So I think I looked up movies that were like indie darlings. Okay. So made some money, but not a ton of money or actors that weren't big, but were like on their way to being big. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at who represented them. And then I, and then I cold emailed everyone. I just cold emailed every person. I did the thing that everyone abhors that everyone's like, that is so bad. That's mm -hmm. so, it's like so sacrilege. And, but I was strategic about it. It was like, I'm going to write to people who help clients pitch work and they're into new talent i don't know what i just sort of unabashedly did it and i wrote a thousand easily cold emails and one wrote me back and that was my first agent at wme mm -hmm. they were they said it felt like i was um screaming at them because i was, <laughs> <laughs> <'cause> i <laughs> i mean in some I ways also... I, I say this with all all endearment that tracks <laughs> that tracks to yeah. me <laughs> And it was like, um, I think through in my, with, in therapy, we were talking about like, it's this, you gotta be really clear about the ask, right? So yeah. there's one ask and it was like, Hey, I have this series. It's a Sundance lab finalist. I think you'd like it. And then I sent the pitch video and that was it. I didn't say I'm also an actor. I'm also, I want to do that. I want to, I didn't say any of that. I just, I let, again, like, let it go. I leaned into what I had in the moment and that's how I got my first, um, my first age, I mean, like, I didn't have the right people to then put in a recommendation to do. Now, too, like, I'm so, anyone who wants me to put in a rec for them, I always will. I, yeah. I have no, all I want is for other people to succeed. And the reality is, I have no control over what my, what the people I work with are going to say. But it, it costs me nothing to say, yeah. like, hey, here's a person who's, here's their stuff. Please take a look. I mean, it, almost nobody was able to do that for me, whether their own insecurities or they just, they weren't in that place in their careers or they didn't think I was good. I don't know, you know, yeah. but, um, so I had to just do it myself. It was either that or what do you do? You, yeah. Th there's, yeah. Ugh, this is, um, I mean, this is why we're friends because that's literally how, <laughs> I mean, truly when I was right after undergrad, um, I also was unrepresented and for the majority of my career, I, I had been unrepresented and I was like, well, I still want to work and how do I work? And at the time I was pursuing mostly musical theater and it was mostly like regional musical theater. And I literally, and this is a tool that you can kind of still use, I would go on to um, like Samuel French and the one that you use for rights for musical theater and you can see all the shows that they have in their Rolodex of what they lease out. And you can also see who buys the rights to said show, what theaters mm -hmm. have them and when they are going to be doing said show in their season. Oh, brilliant. And Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's and so I would smart. sit and I had my dream list of shows that I wanted to do or shows that I knew I was really, really right for. And I would go scavenge through these different Rolodexes of the rights for these shows. And I would find the theaters that seemed interesting or that I wanted to work at. And I would do the same thing. I emailed these people very specifically. Like, I know you yeah. are doing this show in your season. I am very right for this part for this reason. Here is a link if you want to see my work. And I usually had it from that show or something that was very akin yeah. to that show. You catered and each email a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Which as you, what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Exactly. And everybody always said, don't do that. But I booked two or three shows from that. Like 
two or three yeah. shows. I was working consistently in regional theater, musically, musical theater, because I was preemptively reaching out in shows that I wanted to do. Um, yeah. You know, also and you have a killer voice. It was you just you. saying like, hey, here's this, here's my voice. You haven't, you haven't heard it yet. Sure. You know, but it also, I mean, sometimes it has nothing to do with your talent, right? We all know that. It has to do with timing and it has to do with whatever. But I think there's something sure. to be but said you're about- you're also very talented. Sure. Thank you. But there's also something <laughs> to be said about, ha- about when you know- not in a it's disillusionment right went, but like when you know that something is good or that you believe very wholeheartedly in the work that you've done and you are proud of it and there's an ownership of it and that it's not even a rejection in that capacity. It's just like, yeah. I know that this needs to be seen or I know that this needs to be heard and you are somebody who I would love for that to be with. And if not, I will continue doing my thing, but here's an opportunity for you to be involved exactly. in this thing yeah. as well. It's an, it's an offering. They're your, they're your, they're just other people, just, just like you. Um, and to that note, what you were saying, it also reminds me like, you know, I'm lately, I've been really close to some really big opportunities and we'll see what happens the next couple of months. But I know that those came from, let's say auditioning just as an actor for a sec. Like if tapes weren't doing well, instead of being like, there's not enough opportunities for me. I don't have a great team. The industry's stinky. Like all the, I can't, I can't think like that because it doesn't serve me. It, it, it also takes my power away. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, what am I, what else can I change up? Should I change up my reader? Should I change up the scenario in which I'm shooting? Should I change up the lighting? Should I change up my costume? Should I change up the, the tactics I'm using and to achieve, you know, um, uh, can I somehow like see what other people are doing, which really, and just to be curious, to be constantly curious so that it's more playful. And and I'm saying this not because I'm not great. You know, I, some days I can really do that. And other days my fiance will test to it. It's, it's darker. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not as able to be as silly and playful, you know, but it just allows me to let it go yeah. as much as possible and to enjoy it. Um, and I, I think it works. It's working in my favor. And so that's the only reason I'm saying it because I think it will work in other people's to just take your power a little bit back, yeah. you know, so that you have a little more control over the situation. feel like you have a little more curious, playful control over the yeah. situation. And also that yeah. it just doesn't become – when it's not going the way that you want it to go, it doesn't become this thing that you're just an overwhelmingly resentful of. And then that in and of itself starts to impact the work, you know, I think, and, and yeah. then the work just, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I also think um, the last thing that's coming up in this moment is uh, be honest about what you don't know. So I've been in a lot of rooms, especially I was starting to branch off into new divisions of our industry. Um, I got a lot more respect when I was like, ah. Oh, I don't know. Tell, I was like, I got this, but like, tell me how to do it. And then I know I'll, uh, I got it as opposed to be like, oh yeah, I know how to, I got it. And I didn't know, you know, I, I just think being candidly, unabashedly honest about what you don't know is really respectful. Mm-hmm. It shows humility. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a confidence in a way. Yeah. Very much so. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, 
Lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. Tell me how you got into hosting. Hosting was just another sort of foray into a aspect of the industry that um, I was curious about. At that time, too, I had already auditioned for some like comedic related shows. So like where you're asked to like write a sketch um, and play a character, things like that. So when hosting started to come around, to me, it was like, um, okay, who are the hosts that I really like? What do I like about them? And what I love about the hosts that I respect and really like to watch is I just feel like they're being clearly in hosting. You are um, an accentuated version of yourself mm -hmm. or you're really leaning in hard to one aspect of your interests or capabilities, like depending on the topic of the show. Um, but they were really like uh, personable mm -hmm. people that you would be like, oh, I could see myself hanging out with them or... Um, I didn't enjoy listening to hosts who felt like they were above me or, mm -hmm. um, uh, and then also hosting. And this is something I would recommend to anyone who has a hosting audition or when I'm helping people with hosting auditions, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it has served me. I use it as an opportunity to basically do whatever I want <laughs> because you get this copy and it is, um, just two pages of words. And they're like, make it fun. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, a smile at the camera and be play not every, everyone's going to do that. And to me, that's not interesting. That's not engaging. So I've done outlandish things on hosting because as an actor, when we have a tape, there are so many rules that we have to sort of follow that hosting feels like I can dig down into my creativity in a way that, um, Auditioning for those sketch shows was allowing me, but hosting was opening that door wide open. So um, I think people gravitated towards that. And, I, and I'm, I'm still pretty floored that I'm getting to host because we're in a time now where the amount of followers you have yeah. is of real import. Um, I never thought I was going to be able to be a part of that world. And I'm so happy be to be in that world because I... Um, I really like doing it. I think I'm 
good at it. Yeah. And, and mainly because I just love people. I love making people feel good. I love, um, I don't know, the idea that you can change people's lives, make mm -hmm. them uh, feel special. I just, I love all that stuff. So um, the I've hosted three shows so far and they all make people feel, you know, a little more special than they felt the day mm -hmm. before, which I, I love. So, yeah. Does that answer the Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it was it a conversation that you had with your reps being like, hey, this is something that I'm actually interested in? Was it all of a sudden a hosting audition came in and you were like, oh, I really like this, and then that kind of garnered more? How did that snowball start? Um, an opportunity presented itself, um, and I got my first hosting job. And then just knowing the industry was like, I only have so much time to really use this. Um. And then unabashedly reached out to everyone I knew and was like, do you know someone who works in hosting? Do you know someone? And this is a digression, but I'm saying this because I feel like I, I would have liked someone else to say this earlier. Like it's reminding me of uh, mine, like still water, my documentary. When I finished it, everyone was like, you're not going to find. No one's going to want this. You're not going to find distribute. What are you talking about? Shorts don't, this isn't every, not a single person was like into the idea. And I just felt like it's got to have some audience. And all it took was one person that was like, oh yeah, let me introduce you to my sales agent. And the sales agent was like, oh yeah, like he, but it wouldn't have happened if I had listened to 99.9% .9 of everyone around me. And the same thing with hosting, like audacious, this girl wants to find out agent now who specifically does hosting like what is wrong with her you know so <laughs> um but I found my way to this amazing woman Laura and and then in that meeting with Laura I made it really candid I was like I love I really like doing this I want to keep doing this um I also really uh, want to pursue acting uh, just so you know, like that's something uh, to keep in mind. And she introduced me to my manager. So if had I not been unabashed about the fact like, hey, I've got big goals, like these are the things I want to do while still while still making it clear that like hosting is is something I'm really excited about, you know, yeah. so you just got to be it's that it's that towing the line, right? Of like being honest, but it's not needy. it's it's just being clear clear and excited about about it um and yeah I mean I'll be honest like a part of me I, I like I know I do this in some ways but then the other part of me is like I hear you talk about this and I'm like I'm envious about how <laughs> no truly like I like I think many people who know me be like oh no, no you you don't you're not afraid to like speak your mind like sure all of those things but like yeah. I hear you talk about it and I was like right, I'm gonna like go into a little ball about it because I feel you do it in such a way that really does own who you are and what you offer. Like, I really think that there is something so inspiring about recognizing that it only takes one yeah. and that you That's are willing. Yeah. And you're willing to like stick it out and keep trucking on until you find that one because you know that there is that one out there. It just might take a second to find them. And then once you do, then it, it goes from there. But myself included. Take years. Sure. But so it might never people, happen. Exactly. <laughs> so many people would give up on it and also be like, well, am I now delusional because, you know, I like it isn't happening. Like how long am I supposed to wait? But I think, yeah. again, there is a fine line of knowing 
of of really like gut knowing rather than just like a conceptual knowing about what it is that you're working on and how how it how it is meant to be seen and heard by other people i mean yeah i i say that you know that day at gersh like having that first meeting with i mean i went home and I did my thing where I was like, okay, I have to have something I do right after. So I went to the movies and I, and I, and then I had a great meal and I go home and I panic, you know, like, (laughs) it's not like I, it's, it's all the things I'm simultaneously proud of myself for speaking up and I'm terrified, you know, um, I just, I'm always checking in with myself to make sure this is what I want. This is still what I, what I want to be doing. And if it is great, then there's no question. I'd rather, you know, no, I lived a life where I tried really hard to go after the things that I, I just really felt were possible. And, and no, I tried then to not, I mean, same with my partner. I say to Eli, like he is literally a, 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 a literal dream come true because I had spent years single, like just kind of being like, I'm cool with that because I would rather know I've, I've tried really hard my whole life to, to meet what I knew was possible mm-hmm. rather than compromise you know yeah um and then he just and he appeared when i really let go and and was like yeah i'm cool with i just i'd i'd love to live what a romantic life to have lived a life where i tried really hard for the things that i wanted and you know maybe it succeeded maybe (laughs) it didn't but yeah 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 it's not it's not an easy choice especially as we get older Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really not. How then, I'm going to keep bouncing around. How did you, again, is it the same type of thing that you were like, I'm really interested in doing voiceover stuff. And so then voiceover happened. Like, was it you vocalizing that and putting it into the ether? Or was it again, like another audition that came through and then it was like, oh, this. I can't remember exactly. I feel like at the time I was at WME still and I had an audition that required some level of using your voice and um, I've always been good with dialects and uh, my person knew that at the time. I think there was some VO incorporated in the audition. I also love cartoons. It's like a big, it's like a big thing in my uh, life. So as I've we been... stare at these Funko Pops in the corner. Okay, this is all Eli. <laughs> Y'all, I if you tune for... into the YouTube, there's just like a shrine to Funko Pops on the wall. I, I went away for two weeks and Eli calls me and he's like, okay, so I might have started a new hobby and I'm only buying one a week. I come home and there's 30. But wait, um, what? I don't, so you're literally, he's filling up this space that isn't even your real home in with yeah. cartoon well, dolls? We, well, we're in Atlanta because he's here for we're here for a job that he's on right now. And this is the office room. And I want and he's been working on some writing on the weekends. And it was for him, I think, like a source of creative inspiration. If you notice, these are all film directors and, oh, um, you know, um, main characters like, you know, here's Hitchcock. <laughs> I, I I mean this is like a whole generation below me that I don't I have not been tuned into but I guess they're now collectible items well okay so then he calls me again and he's like okay I have a question should I keep them in the box to retain their value and I said absolutely not this is not Beanie Babies like it all might over be again it might, you never yeah, know but Beanie Babies lost their value it's like the handbook was wrong 
Yeah, so, there was like a there was like a small little window that if you figured it out and you sold them fast, then you could make it happen. But I guess so. Okay. So otherwise, it was like take them out, enjoy them, <laughs> you know, play with them. So anyway, I come home and the boxes are in the closet. So <laughs> oh, so he's kept all the boxes anyway. Amazing. He's kept the boxes. I think it's I think it's really sweet. I'm like, if this is your thing right now, fine. Yeah. No, there's no judgment around it. It's just is it's an so uh, in terms of animation and, and cartoons, like this. Is oh yeah. Well, I bought vibe. us a cartoon one. I was like, we need launch pad, so I bought us a. Um, I don't know if anyone likes the remake of. DuckTales, but okay. it's very good. <laughs> anyway. It's a little DuckTale one. Okay, I love it. <laughs> okay. So uh voiceover. So then so then I met in LA with the um voiceover department there, which now is defunct. They they actually got rid of the during COVID that department. Um but I met with this really wonderful guy. Uh, they're seen on and I and I said to him really candidly I said look I don't know the minutiae yet about how this but I know I can do it mm-hmm. and you know from dialects to how much I absorb of work that voiceover actors do um get, like I got, give me give me a chance I can I can really figure this out um and I did and he gave me that chance and uh and I did mostly video games at first um animation is a harder nut to crack mm-hmm. i found and again like i'm still just sort of fig- and i've done weird things like dubbed uh tv shows where they need someone to um i'm not even saying it's in a different language like one time i had to do a show where they had an, a character with an irish accent but it was too irish for americans to understand so they were like do that accent but like a slightly lighter version you're like okay and then they're like do it for seven other characters you're like, okay you just sort of have to be be flexible and go with it voice over its own beast and the demands are really particular and interesting yeah. but they've really helped me as a host they've helped me as an actor like it all it all blends but it is extremely time consuming. That's another thing I always tell people, like the amount of auditions I have to put in for what I get out in voiceover is, it's a lot. So I think maybe that's the biggest thing, like all these divisions of the industry, but I'm still in the infancy stage of a lot of them. So mm-hmm. I'm still auditioning for all of them. And it is extremely, it's a blessing that it's, you know, I get them, um, but it's a lot, it's yeah. a lot. For, you have to you have to really enjoy it, want it, be into it. That's why anyone who wants to get into voiceover, I'm like, I will help you. I just want to make sure you're cool. Getting a last night, I got an email at 8 p.m. Something that's due in two hours. You know, you just got to be cool with that. Yeah, yeah. What about in terms of this m- more recent uh, film that you've written, the Sundance Lab? It was one of the the Sundance program. Um, Sundance Institute has a couple of labs, and I was a fellow in one of their lab programs. Right. So, how did all of that come to be, and what is this new juncture? Uh, I had made a couple of shorts, and that doc, which um, I've mentioned a couple times, um, pandemic hit, and I felt like it was my chance to write a screenplay for the first time to take the time to do that because I didn't have all these auditions coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, using it as an opportunity instead of a pain, painful spot. Yeah. Um, and those years when the pandemic was hitting, it was like, 
I was just starting to get some traction as an actor. I had just done a movie called Down East. I was like, my, I got to star in. I thought things were like moving and then they they stopped and and I was transitioning in look and age-wise, like what I could play. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was really bummed initially, but then I was like, I think it means I have to, to do something else. And um, I took a, some personal experiences that I had lived through over the last couple years um and wrote a screenplay based on it um it's a dramedy called Chaim's Not Dead and it explores first generation Americans and their immigrant parents it explores Jewish uh modern Jewish identity in the United States and more important and maybe most importantly well equally um sort of the plight of the American dream and um and then also what it means to be like called other in the United States and the the great the variations of that because I think it's interesting um you know who gets to assimilate and who doesn't and anyway these interesting questions but never taking yourself too seriously lots of humor lots of <laughs> lots of laughs and um and so I just wrote that screenplay and worked really hard on it um and then refined it refined it refined it and eventually it got into this um, program. So, uh, that was cool. Now, I don't know, we're, we're pitching, we're trying, we're trying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, you think, you think, okay, I have to write like a killer screenplay and the rest will just like, it'll just happen. <laughs> Nothing's happening. I don't know what's going on. I barely get, I like, I'm just trying to, to figure it out, but I, um, I really want to direct films. Um, and I'm really passionate about the script and, you know what, but I'll probably start a new one soon because mm -hmm. you just don't know when things are going to, things are going to hit. But yeah. um, ideally, is it a I vehicle know, for yeah. you to direct and star in it? Or are you just wanting to direct it? Or what are you trying to do with it? I don't know how directors star in their own stuff for their first film. I, it blows my mind. I think it's so hard to make a good film. Um, and I just, my goal with Chaim's not that is to just make a, a brilliant film. I just want to make a film that is funny and moving. Um, and then I always say, it's not about what I want. It's about what the story wants. Mm -hmm. And the story wants uh, a lot of atten uh, um, attention to detail. So I think that means I'm supposed to just direct the heart, you know, direct it to make it just sublime and find the right people at the right time to play those those other roles um that's what my gut tells me so now jen it's time for you to write your shit because i am your no did i not tell oh, you good I, I start i i'm in i'm almost done writing my first pilot heck ever. yeah because you and i had talked and you were like i've got all these ideas yeah. and and you were just you know you were at a period where the right things weren't yeah. Oh, I would like argue there's so time. much. <laughs> so, um, uh -huh. yep. so I, yeah, I finally, after literal years of, <laughs> um, of, I mean, I have a whole massive list of things that I will write at some point or collaborate with. Mm -hmm. I need to find a better collaborator to do the physical writing because I don't love it. Um, but uh, who does? Many people, many people. That's like where they thrive. It's I am 
I don't know. But for me, I need to like talk it out. Like that's my thing. You know, I have two solo yeah. shows that I created and not because I sat down and wrote them. I sat down and talked to somebody and recorded myself and that was that was the show. You know, like it happens. Mm. So anyway, I was finally like, okay, well, one of these has to take some sort of legs. And the one that just felt – I went with the one that felt most exciting and fun. Um, not the one that cool. will probably be like the thing that actually ends up selling because it's the story that only I can tell. But um, – in many ways, I guess this pilot is also something that only I could tell the way that I'm telling it. Um, and totally. thus far, no one's done it. So here we are. Um, yeah. So I know you threw a bag on me, but like, look at me. I finally am in the process of doing it. Anyway, what about so me? I'm so stoked. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank I can't you. wait to read it. Yeah, I, will, I absolutely need to share it with you because I need feedback. Oh, um, I love that. I love it. Yeah. Love well, it. as we're winding down our time, I and, you know, we've bounced around so, so much. I I'm curious if there is something that like, you know, I've, you've been so candid about how you you're still growing and that there's still more to be had and that you're still learning as you go and that it's really never this like baked thing. Right. Um, but yeah. are there certain things that you wish that you knew when you were younger or sooner that um, you've had to learn and you wish you could impart to somebody who is listening, who may um, be in some capacity in their earlier stages of whatever they're pursuing? I mean, the one thing that's coming to my mind is the only person who's really ever going to take care of you is you. hundred mm -hmm. um, I put myself in a lot of precarious positions. Not that I willed that somebody else put me in and I, and I let it continue because I thought this is how the industry works or this is how people are. And as a woman, I think it's, you just got to know, like, when something feels off, it is off. Yeah. When something feels wrong, it is wrong. And um, it's not for you to get bitter or angry about. It's just for you to, and it sucks because you shouldn't have to deal with any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, as a director, as an actor as a host, I can't, I have so many instances where I've become aware I've been, my gender has been brought to my attention. You know, people aren't used yet, I think, to women in certain positions of power, playing certain roles. It's okay to take care of yourself, but not in a way, you don't, you don't want to shut the world out. You want to be open. So don't, and that was the other thing that happened, like when bad situations started to want to present themselves in my life then I shut down and I closed off all possibilities yeah. and I think it was like figuring out okay how do I just I want to engage with the right sort of people I want to and that's again oh yeah like it's not your burden to bear it shouldn't be happening that way but that's just what's going on so you just gotta you know just say like what my my what I want is possible and to do it within good company is possible too. So how do I, how do I do that? How do I get there? And, um, just trust your instinct and try to be just as playful as possible because it's not easy. And if you're choosing, if you're choosing to do it, you're, we're so lucky we even get to, you know, I, so just be really proud of yourself that you're, that you're going, that you're going for it. You know, nothing, even like you, Jen, when you tell me like where you're at, I always say to you, like, I don't think anything you're doing is a deterrent. It's all leading to the exact For thing sure. you want. So it's good that you're like leaning into whatever opportunity is presenting itself because somehow it's just not, nothing's linear like we thought. 
or the people told us it would be. It's just, that's not how it works. So that's okay. You know? Yeah. yeah, I think that. Great. Is there anything (laughs) on your heart that we have not talked about that you would like to share? Oh, my heart. I don't know. On your mind, Uh, on your heart, on your body, on your spirit, on your, you know, you can pick (laughs) apart. I'm really proud of you. I'm so proud of what you're doing in this podcast. And I listened to very different episodes this week and I learned so much and um, I'm just really proud of you. I mean, you have so many episodes of this thing too. It's (laughs) insane. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you're a rock star, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that you said yes to joining us on here and I, I'm, you know, endlessly proud of you and all that you're doing. And, you know, I've been a cheerleader of yours since I was a kid and I will continue being a cheerleader of yours until I, you know, I'm old and gray, hopefully, and, um, you know, with a walker and, you know, my back is no longer a back and whatever that is. But um, <laughs> I I adore you the most. And I'm I'm so grateful that you were in my life and um, Ditto. that, you know, sometimes friendships can like, I don't know, it's really wild. <laughs> it wasn't a full sentence, but in my brain, it was a full moment. So and also you to me are, I have no idea if this is the same, but I, like you are still the person that I had met when we were small beings. Oh, like yeah. you are still that, which is um, which is amazing. I feel like at camp we got to be able to like see the true nature of certain people. Yeah. I have no idea what I was like back then, but I'd like I to so think I grew. I'd, I'd like you. to think I've grown and matured and um, developed in the healthy ways that I needed to. <laughs> oh heck yeah! But you were always like slightly more mature, slightly more like. Does everyone know what's going on here? Like you were very privy to the reality. Like you saw things in a more clear way than anybody mm-hmm. else, and your voice was definitely clearer and on pitch than anybody else. Um, uh, yeah, just like a vibrant, be- like be- your hair is the same. I don't know. The hair, like, I mean, yes. that, that will take a long time to change. That's like a literal generational situation that I have no control over, but. <laughs> We're lucky. We're lucky we have so much hair, honestly. I know. I know. Yeah. And though I think, you know, when it, uh, yes, I agreed. I'm very, very lucky. <laughs> I love you so much and uh, here's to here's to more in the future yay I think I do a lot of things and then talking with Dylan reminded me that perhaps I am a not the only one but b I might not do as many things as I think I do which is yet another reminder that there is no one way to do any of this and that all of it is awesome and everything is feeding into each other and only helping make the other parts of yourself stronger. Now, if you liked this episode, please like, rate, follow, and most importantly, review us on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to continue reaching other ears that want to be listening in on these types of conversations. If you did not like it, you can just let it all slide. If you have not yet done so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artists Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artists Collective, more on our website at EmpoweredArtistCollective.com. If you are wanting to stay in the know, you can sign up for our mailing list in our show notes. And if you are seeking some merch, we got you in the show notes as well. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep popping back and we will be back again next week. Until then.